0: hello beautiful people welcome to the hustle mindset show today on the podcast we have ahana Banerjee, and ahana is the founder of clear app so ahana how about we start with an introduction
1: absolutely well via thanks so much for for having me here excited to, to be talking with you um so quick introduction about myself as you mentioned i'm the founder and ceo of clear clear is a skincare routine tracking and sharing mobile app so in summary we help people keep track of the products they're using, log the products, take progress pictures, share that with their doctors and dermatologists. That's then all tied into a social community such that you can find and connect with people who have similar skin types or concerns. And it's really all about adding a layer of transparency to that education process of learning about skincare. And then those real-time insights form the basis of product recommendations to, to other users. And building Clear was very much inspired by my own journey struggling with acne all through my teens and still, still very much now.
0: Okay, that's great. So one of the questions that I really wanted to get into was, what did you like the best at YC, and what did you learn there that other people don't just learn at a normal startup accelerator in general while building a startup.
1: I learned so much um, from YC. I think maybe the biggest thing was the community, um, which I wasn't expecting to have as much value. And especially when I did YC, I was so early on in my journey, I didn't really know what to expect what to prioritize. Um, But the relationships that I built in Y Combinator are relationships that I still maintain quite strongly today with other founders. And I think just it's those sort of serendipitous moments where you don't know where someone can be helpful or where you can help someone else. But through having sort of just a network of people who are insanely nice, I think I was a bit surprised by how nice everyone was, Um, and genuinely helpful, hardworking people who are trying to make their dent on the world, you're trying to do the same and support each other through that. I think that was you know, something that I really, really valued about the YC experience. And to be honest, I think, you know, I haven't done um, too many other accelerators, so I can't speak for all of them. Um, But with YC, that was definitely one of the biggest takeaways was just the community. And I'm glad that I engaged with it as much as I could and built those relationships.
0: Right. So if someone was to get into YC, what would be your advice for that person to build better relationships with the people there?
1: Well, I think it would be and also just more generally to fully engage with the program. I think quite a common misconception about YC is that it's like school. So you go in at whatever eight o'clock on a Monday morning and then they tell you what to do and have different classes. It's not like that at all. They are there to support you. And yes, there is some structure to the program, but you get what you give. And a partner is never going to chase you or force you to come to a talk or come to a group meeting. And as such, some companies do engage with it a lot. They tell their partners everything on Slack, they schedule regular calls. Other companies don't lean into it as much. Um, For me, I lent into it a lot, mainly because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, But I think some I did see some founders who perhaps were slightly later on in their journey, or maybe it wasn't their first company, who... I don't want to say took it for granted, but they didn't feel like they needed as much support. And so they didn't make as much of an effort. And I think when you're in any kind of community, it does matter that people around you are trying and making an effort. So um, I think if, you know, for someone that would be joining the next YC batch or a future YC batch, I think my key advice would just be go into it, make the most out of it and be open. And whether that's open to feedback or opportunities or building new relationships.
0: Right. So in one of your socials, I heard that you went into YC with a four-year-old idea. So how did it pan out for you? Like, how did all of that happen?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a story. Um, So I applied to Y Combinator after I'd completed the third year of my physics degree. So I was still a student. um, And during my degree, I'd tried all sorts of career experiences um long story short I thought I'd become a physicist got to uni didn't really like it and then had an existential crisis and I was like well if I can't do physics what on earth can I be useful for um so then I gained some experience in software engineering and in investment banking um and also in an early stage startup and the startup job was the first job that I truly loved and how I felt like I could have a real impact with my skill set um But then it was a challenge of, well, if it's not necessarily going to be in that startup, how am I going to fund this? I don't want to be reliant on my parents when I finish uni. So my plan was to start my career in finance, um, save up some money, build up some connections, gain more experience, and then perhaps launch my own company. That all changed in the summer of 2020. As I said, when I finished my third year, I had one more year to go of my studies. Um, I was on a four-year integrated master's degree. And... I thought, you know, all my society's extracurriculars are cancelled because of the pandemic. What better time to just work on a side project? It doesn't necessarily have to go anywhere, um, but it will teach me some valuable skills that I can then use in the future. So I called up some friends and I said, I don't really know what I want to do, but let's just do something together. And at the beginning, it was something that we didn't take very seriously. And the first week of working together was more of just, you know, four friends chatting, having a laugh on on Zoom in the midst midst of the pandemic. Um, But during that first week of working together, my then co-founder, Ben, um, he mentioned Y Combinator to me. And I kind of heard of it, obviously i would heard of a lot of the portfolio companies, but I didn't really understand what a startup accelerator was. So I went on the website and I saw the apply button and I thought, why not? What do I have to lose here? Um, So I was rather naive about it. And to be honest, in hindsight, I think that was a good thing. If I really knew what YC was, I'd have been too scared to apply. Um, Given the stage we were at, which was nothing, like absolutely an idea, a cool team, but very little beyond that. So I applied with that idea, which was completely different. It was a B2B meeting minutes automation software. which again, you know, like there was somewhat of a story. I'd not enjoyed taking meeting notes in my past internships. and It would be nice to automate. But it also, for lack of a better term, wasn't that deep in the sense that we hadn't made very much progress. We weren't necessarily the best team to be building it. And the more we worked on it, the less confident we were that we would succeed building this. Um, and so we kind of not forgot about the YC application, but we're trying to focus on you know, making something productive. And then a month after applying, we hear back from YC saying that we have an interview, which absolutely could not believe. Um, Yeah, it was a a surreal moment. And at that point, it was like, you know, wow, we've been given such an amazing opportunity with YC, like they've almost handed us this like golden ticket um, to, to actually speak to them. Let's just try our best to ship as much make as much progress in the in the coming months um so that by the time we have our interview we've got something to show for ourselves and so that we had two months from finding out we had the interview to actually having it and in that time um you know we did take it a lot more seriously at this point our studies had resumed so we were also in full-time education doing our physics degrees uh, at imperial however i spent most of my time on this startup and the more i worked on it, again. I think deep down, the more insecure I became that why am I the best person to be building this? The answer is I'm not. How much do I really care about meeting minutes? Do I want to spend the next 10, 15 years of my life on this? Probably not. But equally, you know, I already felt like such an imposter for even getting an interview with YC. The last thing I wanted to do was give them a reason not to take me seriously and pivot. I didn't know pivoting was a thing back then. So I decided like, I'm just going to pretend everything's fine. Do make the best out of a not great situation um, and see what happens. And after the interview, it was actually them that came back to us that night saying that, like, look, we like your team. Like you've done a lot in a short amount of time, but essentially we don't like your idea. We've seen companies try this in the past and it's never really worked out. So we want to talk to you again in a week, come up with something better or show us more traction on Quill. Um, and at that point, you know, it was the last week of of term. So we had all of our master's thesis deadlines, exams in that week. Like it was, they couldn't have picked a more stressful time to to put us through this. Um, but essentially in that week, I just time boxed every single hour. Like this is the time to get more traction on Quill, get more leads, trying to get a paid pilot running. Um, but equally, here is a time for a brainstorm. I don't know what, what the backup idea is, but by the end of this hour long session, We're going to have something then this is the time i'm going to spend building a landing page this is the time i'm going to spend building a wait list and so it was in that brainstorm i remember distinctly the second interview was on a friday brainstorm was on the tuesday and it was actually when i went on a break to the toilet and i have a bad habit of watching um videos while on the toilet so i put my skincare youtuber on i had my array of skincare in front of me i thought hold on a second i know so much about this like i've spent perhaps not actively i never linked it with my career but you know all day following all the content creators browsing facebook groups reddit threads trying to figure out how to help my acne and then i've also been through the whole more medical journey with doctors dermatologists going through that whole process and i realized that you know i've I've spent pretty much every day of the last 10 years engaging with this thing with skincare um and there are so many problems this is a massive industry but it's broken in many ways and there's not that much technical innovation so i ran out of the toilet had a very eureka like moment told my co-founder i was like i've got it skincare like there, there's there has to be something here um and although he you know wasn't the biggest skincare enthusiast he was into habit tracking apps sort of meditation exercising things like that so he kind of understood the wellness angle of it and the self-care self-quant angle so in that week, um, or rather in that four day period, since something to do with skincare idea came up, um, I did about 60 user interviews, built up a landing page, managed to get 300 signups to a wait list. And it wasn't glamorous, it was sheer begging and pleading. First with friends, then with family, then on Facebook groups for skincare. It was, it was not, you know, it, it's not glamorous stuff, but it's, that's what it took to get those numbers um, in such a short amount of time. And then the second interview was, you know, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know if it was going to be with the same three interviewers for 10 minutes. We had no idea. Um, But it ended very abruptly. And then two minutes after it ended, the interviewer emailed me saying, can I get back on the Zoom? I was like, "Okay, what more could you possibly want from us? Um, And then she was like, "Okay, batch starts in two weeks, incorporate a company in the U.S., open a bank account do you have any questions? And my first question was, are you sure? And the second one was like, which company do I work on? She was like, it's your company, figure it out. And so that was, that's how it all started.
0: This was an epic story, like literally the ups and downs. It was so dramatic, Mm -hmm. epic. So you talked about how you tried software development and you tried investment banking. So what did you like, what was your methodology with experimenting there?
1: I took whatever I could get. Um, you know, I think the, again, the unglamorous thing to admit is that these are competitive fields and just wanting to do something isn't enough. So, in my first year of uni, after I was like, you know, maybe physics isn't going to work out for me. What should I do? I thought, you know, I'd done like an introductory Python course. I wasn't a good programmer. I had no idea what an investment bank even was. Um, But I saw that some of them had tech internships for uh, first year students where there wasn't much experience required. And I must have applied to maybe 20 for the spring um, of my first year. Again, no idea what a bank is, what like how to code in a real environment. Um, But I just went in with the confidence that that's the expectation and most people will be in, in a similar position. Um and then I was very lucky that Morgan Stanley took a chance on me um in my first year for their spring internship. And through that experience, um I converted that spring internship into a summer internship, which gave me sort of a more in-depth training and opportunity to work on it on a tech team. But that also showed me what finance is and what banks actually do. I had absolutely no idea. I'd never sat in one economics lesson in my life before. So slowly I started realising that actually there's lots of different careers out there that I had no idea about. And even in the tech work and in the finance work, what I constantly found myself drawn towards was companies and how they work. Um, and so through that, I also did a couple of insight programmes in consulting and hedge funds and trading just to understand like what is out there. And I think because I started on this career journey, I mean, now I see people still at school who are way more driven and have done so much already but still I think as for for my year group to start in the first year was a pretty good point to start and it put me ahead of a lot of other people because I already had one you know big name on my CV I just applied to more and more and more again and it was it was a lot I would apply to about 40 summer internships every summer um, and one or two would take me so there's a lot of <laughs> rejection um, in this story as well so I just apply wherever I could, take whatever I got and was just open-minded to, to learning as much as I could about the different opportunities. Fantastic experience overall. I think the biggest takeaway was really the community and learning from people around me. So being able to ask the partners questions, ask other founders questions and really just like learn from other people's experiences. And also YC prepared quite a structured um, learning program so where they went over basic topics like user interviews and metrics tracking and you know goals to achieve pmf things like that and then you know fundraising advice as well so i think just general like startup learning going from zero to one was the the best value that yc added um and i think you know When I was doing YC, the batch size was quite big, which I know is something a lot of people were a bit concerned about and felt like maybe they wouldn't get as much attention from the partners or like the quality would go down. But I think as the batch sizes grew, so did YC. So they also had more partners, and I never felt like there wasn't enough time from the partners. In fact, like I was always amazed by how much time they spent. Um, with us even one-on-one so so overall it was a really really positive experience especially for the stage of of our company and where we were at they really helped us kind of like figure out what to do in those early days how to test assumptions how to come up with a strategy to launch the product and then how to acquire users and prepare for fundraising.
0: Cool so uh, if you had to give one actionable piece of advice to a new startup founder who is not into IC what would that be?
1: I think it would be to seek out every opportunity possible and not be dejected by no's. Um, I was very lucky to get into YC on my first attempt. That's not the case for most people. Um, and there's, of course, other ways to be a successful founder outside of, of YC as well. Um, but I think any founder with any kind of success has a, has had some kind of rejection, but that's only because we've all put ourselves out there and chase new opportunities. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So I think it's just all about being super proactive, seeking out opportunities wherever available. Um, And if you hear it, no, not letting it stop you from applying to other things again.
0: Cool. cool. So one more question. Uh, What are your favorite books like in physics and for startups or for anything else? Like what are books that you refer to again and again?
1: confession I don't read half as much as I should Um, and I actually never have like I've never been a huge reader Um, but a book that I really love is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell which I read a few years ago I think that helped shape a lot of the views I have on success and hard work and you know the power of relationships and people around you and and your upbringing um, so that's a book that I think in practice, I definitely think about a lot. Something I started reading recently, but haven't finished is a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, which is about, you know, how we make decisions. And some of them are automatic, almost like gut responses. Some of them we we need to think a bit more about and how to kind of use that um, to, to optimize the decisions you make. Actually, I have read a couple of books. There is a third one as well um which is called in the flow which is all about like women's hormonal health and kind of like they use the word biohacking a lot in that book but it was all about just understanding how your body works as a woman and how you can use like the different phases um within your cycle to like bring out the best in a work perspective so um not to get like too intense on this, but you know the, the work day is very much something built by the patriarchy and it's a very manly way of working. And I think that trickles through a lot of the things we do, even like exercising a lot of the times women, especially I exercise like a man. And if some days I feel more tired, I would like beat myself up over it and push myself even harder, which actually is counterproductive because I'm not a man. Um, and so I think, learning and accepting i'm not a man my body works differently and that's not a bad thing there's actually a lot of good things about it and understanding how I can optimize my life for being a woman that works a lot um, was actually a really interesting read as well quite recently
0: nice nice so uh, you said you don't read a lot of books so what are some con what is some content that you like to then uh, consume apart from books like podcasts or youtube videos or something like that
1: To be honest, I, I don't really consume that much stuff. Um, I'm not a huge podcast l- listener, um, and I do watch YouTube, but I do this thing called like mindless watching where I just need a background noise. So it's like fight scenes from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's normally not any kind of educational content. Um, I feel like I, I've always just been very focused on myself, and my own journey and whatever I'm doing. So I I like music a lot and I listen to music while I work if I'm not in meetings. But other than that, um, I think most of the learnings that I've had are from like social media, I would say. So following people on Twitter, um, I think that's how we connected on LinkedIn and like connecting with them, chatting with them, hearing about their stories. Um, I think all of that's been really interesting. And of course, there have been the odd occasions where I have seen podcast episodes or um, if I'm going to be talking to someone and like I'm interested in them, I'll go and see what stuff they've done before. But there's no one resource that I go to consistently, I would say. I think it's just people in general. I like talking to people and lots of different people with lots of different backgrounds. And that that helps me learn. So
0: that's something new. And. Uh is there are what are your who are your invisible mentors? like who are people you admire or you would listen to for advice?
1: Yeah, I have a pretty wide range, um because I've always sought out mentorship quite proactively. And I think that this was also somewhat intentional to have a range of people who are all different, and that might be like men and women, young and old. Um, you know, different nationality, like different life experience, different education level, like all these different things um, really help. And I and I feel very fortunate to have a very diverse set of people around me that I really do trust. And when I ask a question to, I I kind of feel like I'm not in a complete echo chamber and just hearing what I'm already thinking or just the same type of view. Um, but but those people range from my family I'm very very close with them and for a lot of the big decisions I make I ask them um, to my friends that I met during my time studying physics to my friends that I met when I was at school who are completely different from my university friends um, to people I've met professionally now in my job and those range from investors to founders to operators to people who don't actually run startups and have regular jobs but i just really trust their their judgment so again when i say that you know i've learned from people around me i've made a conscious effort to build up a network of people that i like and i trust um who aren't all the same as me um and yeah i'd say they're they're all my go-tos for any questions cool
0: so what is your strategy for networking like what do you have in mind when you're talking to someone or trying to make be friends with someone
1: yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because when I first started networking, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have a network or a very broad one beyond the people I'd met through school and university. Um, and so I had to be quite intentional about it. And I think it's always just about asking questions and going with the flow of the conversation as well. So you can't be too prescriptive, but have a rough understanding of why am I asking for this person's time? what do I want to actually know? And it's not what I think I should say or what I think I should ask, but what is the point of me also spending this 30 minutes having this conversation? What can I learn from this person? So going in with like a rough idea of what you want to take away from the conversation and from there just being open-minded to learning and what they say and if there's points that pique your interest, delving in in further. And I think importantly at the end of the conversation as well, if you get along well with that person and you feel like, you know, there'll be, there's someone that you want in your network long-term, make sure there's a follow-up and whether that's just like, you know, I want to update you on my progress monthly or like, let's meet up for coffee in a couple of months, or even like, let's see each other next year. It doesn't have to be that frequent, but some kind of a follow-up so that you stay in touch, I think is, um, is, is really important. I think now, um, given that my network has grown in the time that I've been building my company and also using platforms like LinkedIn and, and Twitter quite extensively, um, there's always so many amazing people to connect with who want to learn from my experiences and I want to learn from theirs as well. So, so most of the time now, it's really just like a two-way conversation where you know we introduce ourselves, give an overview of the experiences, and if either of us have, any of those specific points that I, you know, I mentioned earlier, any specific agenda for the call, that's where we go to. Otherwise, just through chatting and sharing life experiences, I think there's always something that you can, you can find a common ground with someone and and go from there.
0: Okay. Okay. And uh, what would you need to be for the next 10 years to be a success? Like, what will you do? Or what do you think that, you can do for you to consider the upcoming decade to be a success for you?
1: I think like just keep going and making sure I have some kind of impact. I don't set hard goals of like the company needs to IPO by the time I'm 25 or like, I don't know, like these, these kinds of things. Um, I think that as long as I am at every stage seeking opportunities and pursuing them where it makes sense, that's all I can do. I can't control external circumstances, which is why it doesn't make sense to me to create these um, somewhat uh, abstract like goals. Um, So it's more just like in the day to day, make sure that I'm happy, healthy, working hard, working smart, building a good environment for my team creating a product that people want. And as long as I'm doing that, I think I'll always be happy.
0: Okay. And uh, what is one other problem that you'd like to solve in the world or another startup that you would think of starting at some point?
1: Yeah, there's, there's like two distinct areas. The first is the process of fundraising, I feel is very broken um and it doesn't favor the best companies that will actually have the biggest impact on the world and so i haven't thought extensively about how to solve the problem and it's a very complex problem so not to belittle it at all um but that's something you know having been a founder on that side seeing what the process is like i think there's a lot of room for innovation and for for the industry to do better that's one area the second is to use my physics degree and solve a science problem. So, like, maybe do a deep tech startup in the future. When, if I let's say, if I do IPO by the time I'm 25 and I have lots of money and lots of my well, time, my life ahead of me, um, part of me kind of like sometimes I, I don't miss physics at all and I don't miss being a physicist, but I still love the subject and have a supreme amount of admiration for people who are better at it than I am so some kind of like deep tech problem my boyfriend works in uh, quantum computing he's doing a PhD so that's a field that I think is super duper interesting and I know lots of clever people who are in that space in particular
0: cool so you mentioned about fundraising so would you like to elaborate on what the problem is
1: yeah I mean there's 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 so many. I think the biggest one being that like coming back to what I said about the best companies not necessarily getting funded because of like the mechanics of how fundraising works, it's about it's a lot about who you know, which sure there's lots of things in life that work that way. but with fundraising, because investors are forced to make decisions in a relatively short amount of time with relatively little information it's a hard decision. Like I'm not saying investors are bad or investors are like trying to discriminate. They have a hard job um, because of just the way things work today. And so because of that, a lot of the worst things about life are amplified, such as who you know, rather than what you know, because it's who you know, that will get you the meetings with the right investors. And then from there, it's very hype driven. So if you have a rich family friend who doesn't care what your company is, but wants to give you a huge amount of money to get your round going, that will signal to other investors that your company is sought after or good to invest in because you're attracting investors. And that might not be due to how good your company is. It might just be the luck of your situation. And I think that disproportionately favors people from certain communities who aren't actually always the best founders and the best people at building companies. Um, and so I think just having a process that was somehow more objective and where even if it was just like everyone gets asked the same questions and people aren't held to different standards and investors aren't also forced into making decisions so quickly and with all, you know, the biases coming to play because they've got nothing else to work with. Um, I think these are some of the the key challenges that make it quite bad and the way it is today. Um and yeah, as I said, it's not not a simple problem to solve. It's an entire industry and it is just the way things work at the moment. But those are always the situations where there's the most potential for disruption. And I would like to disrupt it in the future. Whether it, And it could even come from existing people, existing founders not wanting to adhere or existing investors who challenge the way things are done, even if it's small things like saying no to warm introductions, doing their own outreach to companies that they're interested in. I think there are some small things that we can already start doing um, to make things a bit better.
0: Interesting. So uh, do you think your physics degree really connects anywhere to starting a startup? Like, do you think that helped you while building clear-up? Um
1: I think, oh, sorry, there's just a, a bee that's entered my room. Um, In my day-to-day, no. Um, Not now, at least. When I was writing code every day, yes. um, I wouldn't have learned how to code if it wasn't for my physics degree. So I think at that phase of building the company, it was very helpful to have that technical foundation. Um, But then in the transferable skills, I'd also say that there is some overlap in the sense that physics is all about problem solving, and so is running a company. It's just with Physics—it's you use maths as the tool, and with a company, there's you use whatever tool you can find um, to solve the problem at hand. So I think what physics did give me was that discipline of wanting to solve problems and persevering with problems, and feeling like the, that's your like default state—that there is a problem that you have to solve because that's what what the subject is as well. So I think. Um, You know, physics is is all about problem solving and understanding the way the world works. And again, with, with my job now, it's not so much of a physical understanding and mapping things with equations, but it's understanding how people work. And, you know, with my app, what will make them come back? What will draw them to it in the first place? How will they find out about us? These are all problems that you can think through a solution to and then execute. But again, rather than executing by building a simulation or, or, you know, deriving some equation, it's its through actions and execution. So there is, I think, some overlap in the broad way of thinking. Um, but in terms of like, am I using, like, am I solving second order differential equations on the day-to-day? No.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. And what are some new trends that you're excited about? Like you talked about quantum computing. So uh, what are some other things like that that you are really... Really excited about that they'll come in the future and you'd be excited to work in them or use them.
1: I'm a bit biased, but like social commerce, which is what we're what Claire falls into. Um, but just the way that the retail landscape has shifted over the the past few years, and how you know we have this interesting mixture of in-store and online, and previously it was all about influencers, but now rather than influencers having the biggest impact on decision making processes, it's communities and it's other regular people, which I find really, really interesting. And and that's kind of why why we built Clear also, playing into that thesis. But I just think it's it'll be interesting to see in in five or ten years from now what the leading commerce platforms are and if in fact a social platform will be driving as much sales as uh, a Shopify or even an Amazon um I, th- I just think like the whole shopping experience is is really really interesting um as as a trend and I think the other I don't know if this is even a technological trend but I think it's more of a generational thing is this focus on health um I feel like our generation drinks less than previous generations is more conscious about like eating healthy exercising i think that's a really really good thing and i hope because of this there will be more companies and services in this area going forwards that will be focused around health and all sorts of health as well physical health mental health um like health in your relationships and your work etc um so i think health in general is uh, another trend that i'm interested in
0: cool so are there any other ideas on your mind that you want to talk about or any questions you want to ask me since i'm done with the questions i asked you most of the stuff that i wanted to ask
1: okay um i think i'm i think that i'm good i'm good for now
0: so thanks a lot ahana it was great meeting you the interview was great and yeah Thanks. thanks a lot
1: Perfect. Well, great to to see you again and let me know if you need anything else from my side.